Welcome to another Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined again by Ben Gessling from TCO Performance Center here in Egan. Thank you, Ben. We're sitting two feet apart from each yeah, other. Not but on I, Zoom for a rare edition of this podcast in the last couple of years. Yeah, there will be less talking over each other, hopefully, because we actually have social cues that we can yeah. read off each other as opposed to our screens. Um, but I, anyway, I wanted to say I appreciate you waving as yeah. always. Uh, it's tradition. We got to keep it alive. <laughs> I appreciate virtually that. in person, whatever. Um, it's what I do. We've got a lot to get to about the Vikings training camp so far. Preseason game number one coming up on Sunday against the Las Vegas Raiders in Las Vegas. Who's going to play? Who's not going to play? Uh, I wouldn't expect to see Kirk Cousins. Yeah, and, I wouldn't either. And Kirk Cousins training camp has been. Uh, up and down we've seen a lot of uh, touchdowns thrown we've seen a lot of interceptions thrown as well and Kevin O'Connell has talked about that and they are going up against a defense that we've heard from Ed Donatel, Jordan Hicks, uh, the veterans of that group trying to saying that they're trying to focus on creating those takeaways and we've seen them in training yes, camp. Yes we have. We saw two yesterday on Wednesday of this week from Cousins he threw a pick to Cam Bynum threw a pick to Jordan Hicks uh, but he also seemed to throw to Justin Jefferson a lot and Jefferson might have set some kind of record for practice catches yesterday because it was quite a few. A lot of deep overs. Um, yeah, yeah, a lot of in-breaking stuff. So let's just talk about Kirk, though, because I thought Kevin O'Connell was interesting earlier this week talking about how, you know, he, he was asked directly, like Kirk's thrown wh- whatever number of I picks. It was six at that point. It's probably up to eight now, yes. And that's just in full team drills. Yep, yep. 11 on 11. And so O'Connell was asked how much should that be concerning um, at this point on August 8th or whatever it would have been at the time. And O'Connell basically said, trust the process. He basically said, at this point in camp, this is a very timing-based offense. You were learning things. We are going to learn things about Kirk from this offense. And when we get to regular games, we might not even be trying some of this stuff based on what we're seeing in camp. Um, just specific plays, certain route combinations, drop back combinations, all that stuff. He also wanted to know if the reporters asking the questions knew how many touchdowns Cousins <laughs> has thrown in training camp. And I don't think anyone knew the number. O'Connell claimed, at least on the record, to not know the number either. He knows. He knows the number. <laughs> he knows, he the, knows <laughs> the number. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it is a little bit of a – I mean, I've, I've always – in, in you know, you and I have been doing this for a decade plus, each of us now. It's like, and I've gone back and forth over the years of, do you chart the training camp stuff? How indicative of the way a guy's looking is training camp performance, training camp stats, all that stuff. We do it in part because it gives you some indicator, but it's also, it, you know, guys are working on different things. Like O'Connell said, I mean, I remember this when I would cover baseball you'd have a pitcher that would get shelled. It's like sometimes pitchers are working on different things they're not going to use. They're, or at least they're trying to see, can I throw a curveball in this in this count? I probably wouldn't do this in a game that we have to win in September, but this is the time of year where I can work on stuff. And you say, man, this pitcher got shelled. It's like, well, it's not exactly what meets the eye because the pitcher may not be – doing the same things that he would do normally or you know same thing for a batter he may be saying i'm gonna try to see if i could do something with this pitch that i probably wouldn't try to swing at or or do something with in a game uh, in a regular game so you do have to contextualize a lot of this stuff this time of year and that's true for preseason games too we're gonna see some guys come out and look great this weekend and teams are gonna be like 
that's fine, but the schemes are going to be vanilla. You're not going to see the Vikings throw a lot of stuff out there that they want to keep off of tape, especially given your week one opponent is the Green Bay Packers. So a lot of this stuff does need to be kept in context, and I think that was sort of O'Connell's appeal to those of us who sit there with our our little our little our little sheets was that the Mike Zimmer phrase? <laughs> it was. You guys all sit out there with your white little sheets. Yes, your little yeah. sheets and uh, <laughs> your sheets of paper, not other sheets yep. types of sheets. Um, our little notebooks and write down who's practicing, who's not, uh, and we also keep track of some of these stats. So um, worth keeping all of this in context. It is, and I guess the question is. How has Kirk looked and how much can we glean from how he's looked? Because it has been very up and down. We've seen, like I said, we've seen a lot of passes thrown at Justin Jefferson. Almost all of them caught. He dropped his first target yesterday. But that's Yeah, ah, that was kind of the big surprise of the day. It was right in his hands. It really was. It really was. I talked to him earlier in the day, too, and he said one of his emphasis going into this year is having a no-drop season. And then he started practice. You did it. You you (laughs) ruined Kyle Rudolph's streak. You ruined Justin Jefferson's hands. (laughs) I really did. I really did. Um, And I I think with Kirk, one of the interesting things is that Kirk has talked about how learning this offense – you know, it is different. It is a, a diversion, even though it might come from a similar tree, the McVeigh, LaFleur, Shanahan tree of what Kubiak ran in Minnesota. It is a different offense. There's going to be a lot more pre-snap motions. There's going to be a lot more movement um, in terms of putting guys in different places after the snap and trying to draw defense's eyes, misdirection basically, draw them away from where the ball is going. And O'Connell described it in that answer as a timing-based offense. And we are seeing some of the, the very – razor thin margins for error that he has in this offense if it's not perfect and it goes back to what we talked about in the last podcast when Kirk was talking about in the spring not necessarily throwing a first read against a certain coverage because he thought you know maybe I've always been trained not to take that risk and O'Connell's saying no if we do it right on time this is what I want Um, so it's very much a work in progress it would seem with some of this stuff in terms of learning this new offense and it's not just the terminology which everybody talks about it is also just the footwork and the timing and getting the ball out where it needs to be here's the other thing to remember with all of this is that Kirk Cousins is not for better or worse is not the quarterback to say screw you play caller or coach this is my offense I'm going to run it the way that I'm comfortable and I don't care what you think. He has talked about this in a number of settings with us, and I think he talked about it a little bit when he was on with Dan Barrero yesterday as well, doing things the way the coach wants it done. I I think he said it in a press conference a couple of weeks ago too that I've always found that if you do it the way they want it done, you get along better, and it's more of what is supposed to happen. The way they're drawing these plays up are, are with an intention, and a quarterback is supposed to be an extension of that. You may have guys that at times can freelance off of that and say, I'm going to do this the way I want to do it. And sometimes that can be done with great effect. We've seen Aaron Rodgers, among others, do that quite a bit where it's, hey, I I know better. This is what I want to run. And this is going to work better. You can also have that backfire. I I will use the same quarterback. I think we've seen times towards the end of the Mike McCarthy era where Aaron Rodgers said, I don't like this offense. I'm going to run my offense. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And all of this stuff about had the offense gotten stale or was he just ignoring it and running his own thing, uh, that can have its own drawbacks. Cousins is not that guy. He's not going to go be the type that says, 
I'm going to run my own scheme and I don't care what you're calling. So that does mean that when schemes change and coordinator changes, they have often in Cousins' career, he is going through this process of saying, what is this new scheme? How do I adjust my game to it? Rather than saying all of the time, uh, I'm just going to do me and you guys have to work to that. Maybe think of something that we heard coordinator Wes Phillips, the offensive coordinator Wes Phillips mentioned too. Uh, he was asked about, you know, Kirk every year talks about playing off schedule and talks about trying to get better at improvising yeah. when the play breaks down. And Wes Phillips basically said, hey, we don't want that to happen. Like, <laughs> like basically we don't want, you know, Kirk is so good at playing. And one of the things Kirk is best at is playing in a rhythm and playing yeah. on schedule. Yeah. And that our, that's basically never part of our plan of like, Kirk, we want you to run around uh, and make things happen. It's not backyard football. No, it, it seems like they're going to have Patrick such Mahomes. clearly defined reads and throws for him that there really isn't going to be many situations where he's going to be patting the ball back there and has nowhere to go and, and needs to get rid of it and, and run or something like that. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like they're, they want too much room in the offense for that. So that plays into this timing-based system where like it, the ball is supposed to get out against a certain coverage. You're going to have options. The quarterback is going to have options at the line of scrimmage often. Wes Phillips talked about calling two plays in the huddle at times and getting up there. Yep. Wide receivers are going to have adjustments that they need to signal to each other and to the quarterback based on what they're seeing in the coverage. That Which is, is different than what we've seen. We should note yeah. that. I think oh, that's yeah. a little more latitude for Cousins at the line. Yeah, and, and that is all supposed to lead to like an equation that spits out an answer, and the ball needs to go here. And so they're trying to feed into the on-schedule Kirk Cousins. Yeah. The, the, and, and I think that's that might play toward his strengths, but again, it speaks to that kind of razor-thin margin. So I don't, I don't think we're going to hear as much as Fran Tarkenton wants Kirk to run more. <laughs> I don't think we're going to see that very often this year or under the, however long Kirk is playing in this system. Um, because it is going to be one that has control but gives them options based on what they're seeing at the line. And it's not going to be the old Sean McVay we're holding up sheets on the sideline so we'll tell you what to do like yeah. they had to do for Jared Goff. They right. are going to trust Kirk to do that kind of stuff. Uh, he just needs to get into the right call, get the offense into the right call, and then execute it properly. And so far in this camp, it's been really up and down, it seems. And so I, I think – we saw a lot of deep stuff to Adam Thielen and Jefferson yesterday, but again, we also saw those interceptions, um, one underneath and one deep. And it's going to be interesting to see how much preseason work they give him to, to kind of figure this out in a game setting. Yeah. I mean, I, next week is going to be important, I think, too, in the sense that you have the 49ers come in here for joint practices. You can get some of that work without risking him getting hit. I mean, if it's just, can I decipher coverages? I mean, that, that's probably a fairly good metric for where you're going to be because you may get more high-quality work against their ones than you would in a preseason game anyway. So that may be what they use as something of a stand-in for that, especially because it's a team that was in the NFC title game last year. It was a, a team against whom Kevin O'Connell schemed in the NFC title game. So there is a fair amount of familiarity with that. There's a fair amount of work Kevin O'Connell has done against that scheme in recent history. So you could use that, I think, as something of a stand-in. But yeah, it, it is going to be interesting to see, you know, against uh, the 49ers in that game. Do you go out there when things are maybe a little bit faster and it's it's game day and there's a crowd, a bigger crowd, and there's a little more adrenaline? Do you try to get something out of Cousins in that one? Or do you just say... Joint practices are enough. We'll see you September 11th against the Packers. Yeah, and before we talk about what we're going to be looking for in, on Sunday's game and 
figure out who's going to be playing. Kevin O'Connell's talking later today. We'll see if he gives any insight into that. But I think we've got a pretty good idea based on what the Rams have done and the philosophies they brought over from Tyler Williams, the new head trainer, and just all the health stuff they've done. Um, let's talk about Jefferson just for a bit because we've seen, like I said, seen him targeted a lot. Um, what have you noticed different, I guess, about the way he's being targeted? And I guess what, what can we learn about how this offense is going to get more out of him? And I'm, I'm doing a story on him for the season preview, yeah. and I feel like I've, I've gleaned a little bit the from story it. story is probably a little underselling it. You're doing a fairly <laughs> large project with a lot of research and a fairly cool, some fairly cool online elements to it. So it's going to be worth checking out for Vikings fans out there. Uh, this has been in the works for a while. It's going to be pretty, pretty fun to, to see how this comes together. Yeah, trying to talk to a lot of different people about his game, what separates him from people, especially at such a young age, yeah. and tracking his kind of not only all the routes he's run in his two years, but also just historically how he compares to some of the greats in terms of the start of his career. Um, but just, I mean, we've been at all these practices. What have you seen about the way he's being used, um, that strikes you differently from what we've seen from the Kubiak offenses? I think the thing that stuck out to me is that they are getting him the ball in spots where he's got a little more room to run after the catch. I mean, I think the last couple of years, and, and you can tell me you've, you've charted every route, every ball that's been thrown his way in, in the last two years. From my mind's eye, it's been a lot of stuff where it's along the sideline and it's either like a a deep out or you know a contested catch along the sideline where he doesn't get a ton of opportunities to go run after the catch. It, it we have seen a lot of the deep overs and that's been a big part of this scheme for the last number of years. I mean that you know the Yankee concept from Kyle Shanahan has been a big part of this really since Atlanta. I mean when the the Falcons use that with Julio Jones and dang near won the Super Bowl, probably should have won the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I think that's been the thing that stuck out to me is he's had more opportunities to catch the ball in space, try to get yards after the catch, make some things happen that way. And he's not, he's not Cordero Patterson after the catch. Uh, he's not going to be quite that electric or Percy Harvin or somebody like that, but he's got plenty of, of speed and plenty of ingenuity with the way he moves to be able to get some things after the catch. And, I think that's been probably the, the what stuck out to me the most is they're getting him the ball. And probably also, we talk about timing, some of it's that too, is if we can get him the ball on schedule and it's not a late throw that he has to adjust behind his shoulder or defense has time to get there when the ball's in the air because the throw is a little bit late, I, I mean, if you can get him the ball in those settings, I, I think that's going to make him even better and I think that's what they're certainly trying to do. Yeah, and, and you mentioned this earlier too. We're seeing a lot of the in-breaking stuff with yeah. him, not just the deep overs, but more of the sharp 90-degree angle cuts where he's coming across the middle of the field and Cousins yep. has to hit him on the run to create yeah, dig that. Dig routes, up, drag routes, that to, kind of to stuff. To kind of create that opportunity because you're right, so many times it just hasn't gone that way on schedule where he's making a contested catch over the middle as opposed to breaking free and open and getting hit while he's open. Um, that's the catches are great, but it's like, if you can get him the ball yeah. and get another eight, 10, 12, 15, 20, whatever free yards, yep. take it. Yeah. And, and, and yards after the catch has been one of those metrics where he's kind of lagged behind yeah. other yeah. receivers because yeah. he's just so good deep and they've thrown a lot of 20 plus targets yeah. to him over the years. But 
yeah, when you look at it, you're right. It's been sideline stuff with the Kubiaks where they really leaned into last year's, especially a lot of the ISO stuff. Like we're just going to put you on the backside of, of a three-by-one, and we're going to man you up against somebody, and you're just going to go down the sideline and beat him for the ball. And that's The Chargers it. game sticks in my mind with that. Yep, yep. And he, he did a lot of that last year, but that's great. But then he's just getting tackled at 18 yards downfield. And it's a great game, but it's not maximizing a window against a defense where you can maybe create a very explosive playoff yep. of that. Yep. And what's funny to me, too, is that we're seeing like one jet sweep of practice with him, whereas yeah. he ran one of those his entire entire career, two years. But he ran one of those in two years. And it wasn't is until all, really it wasn't until the Packers game Gosh. when Sean Mannion was starting. <laughs> so Kubiak, none of the Kubiaks broke that kind of stuff out. The pre-snap motion, getting the ball on the run before the snap or at the snap. They didn't break any of that out until they didn't have their quarterback. And yeah. they were like, well, Sean, just here, pitch it to him at the line. And that's the kind of pre-snap motion stuff that they're going to mix in a lot, I feel like. And that's just what we always see from the Rams. And the 49ers. Those are the teams that are always near the top in terms of that stuff. The misdirection, the pre-snap motion. We see that in Green Bay with Matt LaFleur's yep. offenses as well. Who also um, comes from that tree, from McVay. Those are systems that have created problems for the Vikings yeah. and a lot of teams. And we are seeing Justin involved in that kind of stuff in ways that we have not seen before. And so I'll be very fascinated to see – at least in camp, we haven't seen – there's going to be play action, but we haven't seen like the deep bootleg drops that we that we saw so much with the Kubiaks. We've seen more of these quicker, like almost you know five-step drop, quicker play actions where Kirk is getting the ball out really quickly to guys on the run. And it's it's keeping him in the pocket less, and it's getting the ball into the, their playmakers where those guys have a chance to continue on the run. So much of it goes back to that timing-based stuff that, that O'Connell's talked about. Yeah, that like flood kind of levels concept stuff with the posts on the backside. I mean, we saw a lot of that, like the, the three levels thing on the front and then a post for – I mean, that was like the play Thielen got hurt on in Detroit, I think, in, in 19 where he hurt his hamstring was that post on the – it went for a touchdown. But um, we saw a lot of that in the old offense. But yeah, it's been less of that here. It's been less of the, yeah, drawn out stuff yep. where Kirk's patting yep. the ball, patting the ball and, and teams found ways, defenses found ways to kind of just cut it off by going wider at the line. And then just kind of sending one of those guys at the end after him at the bootleg side. Um, I do think Jefferson's called this offense less predictable than before. And I think that plays into it um, where you're not necessarily going to know where that ball is going based on the misdirection, the pre-snap motion, the different variations of the bootlegs, um, and it's a lot for a quarterback to handle, probably, I would assume. Um, but it's still going to have some defined reads for him. So I, speaking of this project, I, I talked to Matt Bowen, ESPN's NFL film analyst, yep. former NFL safety. One of my favorites. He, he um, had some good stuff to say about Justin Jefferson and what might be different under Kevin O'Connell. So we'll get to that clip right now. I think the first thing is the detail he plays with. Okay, whenever you're studying a receiver, look, there's a lot of guys in the National Football League that have – I have traits in the position in terms of size, speed, ability to stretch the field vertically. Um, but what I really look at is the progression or the details of running a route. It starts at the release, through the route stem, and at the top of the route when you make your break. And with Justin, being such a young player, he is extremely detailed as a route runner. Now, you saw some of that in his college team at LSU. There's no question about that, especially when he played inside in the slot. I think the the progression he's made in the you know, working in a pro offense, he's having that detail plus the formation flexibility where Justin can lie in the slot, 
can play as the Z or the flanker, especially last season, as your backside X receiver. And that's a big position in today's NFL, that boundary X receiver that plays the backside of trips, and that's where you get those isolation routes. We saw that a lot last year. Go back to the game against the Chargers when he was making the plays down the field against L.A. Those are one-on-one throws. That's the ability to stack on top of the defensive back, to locate the ball, to track the ball in the air, and to finish play on plays where the throw can be a little bit outside your frame. So you have that. You have the details of the route running. You have the ability to win as an isolation target. The next part is scheme. Because every NFL receiver uses scheme as well. Minnesota did a really good job last year. I think this will continue this year with the new offense of creating windows for him and breaking routes. And that's where you can separate from an outside corner, whether in zone or man, find the open window in the middle of the field. And then what you get with them is production after the catch. And I'll be honest, uh, you start thinking about two to three years ago, especially three years ago, I think there's going to be a great debate of who's the best receiver in the league between Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. You bring up that, that, um, the in-breaking routes and stuff. And I guess one of the things that stood out to me was they really went to more of those dig or intermediate kind of yeah, in, sure. inside uh, routes last year for him. Do you see that even evolving even more with Kevin O'Connell in a, in a Rams offense? I do because that's, you know, I've always said this, Andrew, there's only so much you can do with 11 players in the field, right? So there will be carryover. You will see similar route structure or route concepts with O'Connell's offense. Now the presentation will be different. There will be more three wide receiver sets. Uh, there will be more pre-snap motion. There will be more misdirection in the back. That's all a positive for a receiver. Because you can look at that coaching tree, whether Shanahan, uh, LaFleur in Green Bay, and what you're going to see this year with O'Connell, and obviously Sean McVay in L.A. as well, how they create space or how they occupy the fence, make that space to block that receiver, especially breaking inside the numbers. And like you said, that's where Justin was excellent last year. Matt Bowen basically said exactly what we were talking about in that there's yep. going to be more in-breaking and dig stuff for for yep. Jefferson yep. in this offense and ability to create after the catch. I do not expect to see any of it in a preseason <laughs> game. No. I do not expect to see Justin Jefferson play a single snap in the preseason. There's no reason for him to. I mean, it. You if you lose him – there's just nothing good that can come out of it. There, there's no good that can come out of putting him on the field and getting him hurt. I mean, if you get out, if you do it and you get out without him getting hurt, then you say, "Great, we survived." But I just like, what are you going to to get from that that you can't get in a practice in terms of trying to get the timing between him and Kirk Cousins to where they want it in this offense? I, yeah, I don't think you'll see him. I don't think in, on the off chance you do. You're certainly not going to see them tip their hand a whole lot because practices have been pretty vanilla. Um, I think that's for a reason. I mean, as as attentive as Kevin O'Connell has been to the idea of minimizing any chance of what they're doing getting out on video, I still think they're holding back some things in practices. I mean, they're they're installing, but like their walkthrough today is closed. Uh, they've had walkthroughs open. Walkthroughs have been closed to the media for the last couple of years under Mike Zimmer. They've had most of them open, but the fact that it's closed today 
makes me think they have some stuff they're working on that they don't want people to see. They don't want Matt Lafleur's scouts up in the up in the bleachers videotaping yeah. it or us videotaping yeah. it and putting it out there. Um, who will play on Sunday against the Raiders? Well, the other quarterbacks will have to, and that's probably what I'm most curious to see is the the co-number two quarterbacks, as it was listed on the Vikings for depth chart, Sean Manning or Kellen Mond could be the number two guy. So how they split the game up between those two is going to be, I think, interesting to watch because they need to see something from Kellen Mond. They, I mean, Kellen Mond had, by Adam Thielen's account, Adam Thielen worked out with him quite a bit, said – I talked to Thielen about it for a while earlier in training camp, and I've got a story running on this on Sunday. Thielen sent Mond a text after some of this stuff and said, dude, whatever you did, keep it up because you look great. And he said he was more in control. He's putting the ball on point. All of these things that we did not see from him last year, Thielen was like, everything looked better. We have not seen that, at least to the degree that you would have thought based on what Thielen is saying in training camp. And maybe it's still that same thing of the learning curve is steeper with this offense. And you're, if you're going to see it with cousins, you're certainly going to see it with a second year guy, but we have not seen him look that sharp. And especially the times where the ball gets on the ground because of a botched exchange between him and Chris Reed, that has become a problem. That's been one of the few things that O'Connell has come out and been like, this can't happen. I mean, the, the, critiquing my own players in sharp terms that we heard from Mike Zimmer a lot, you're not going to hear that as much from Kevin O'Connell. Um, that one, he has said that. So I think seeing what Kellen Mond does, seeing if Sean Mannion, again, is the number two guy, I'm curious to see how that plays out, especially if this is going to be the way a lot of these preseason games go, is these two guys splitting it up. Um, certainly worth watching there. Uh, is there. Is there a fourth receiver? On this team, K.J. Osborne, I think, has made his case to be the number three guy, both last year and in camp. He's had a really good camp. Um, who's number four? Who's the, the tight end behind Irv Smith? I think all, all of those questions on offense are uh, are still up for grabs, and the offensive line questions, too, especially right guard between Jesse Davis and Ed Ingram, which seems like it's becoming a little more of a competition. Yeah, the, and just I was curious about – what O'Connell might do. So I went back and looked at the Rams preseason opener last year. The Rams famously just didn't play anybody last preseason. Yeah. And in their opener last year, they held out half the roster. Yeah, um, whatever. I get to go to Vegas. Johnny, Johnny Munt, who is the Vikings top tight end now with Irv Smith out, was the Rams backup last year. He didn't even play in the Boy. Rams opener. Um, they held out all their top receivers. They held out. Uh, they basically only the rookies played. It was the rookies and and you know Duck Hodges was their starting quarterback. Duck Hodges. Duck Hodges. That, is that a real name? That's a yeah. Remember this? He started for the Steelers a couple times yeah. in the past few years. It's like Case Kukis right? when the Vikings <laughs> signed him last year. It's like this is like a Madden franchise mode <laughs> I, draft name. I forgot about that guy. Um, so they, they just didn't play anybody. And I like like we said with them bringing over you know Rams Midwest basically with the training staff and O'Connell and so many you know three or four assistant coaches. I just think they're going to take a similar approach. I wouldn't be surprised if we are seeing Ed Ingram start on that offensive line, the entire second team offensive line starting. Um, do they play Garrett Bradbury because of how up and down he's been? You know, we saw Mike Zimmer pull that card a few times yeah. where he wasn't happy with the way a starter was playing, so he made him play. Uh, I don't know if O'Connell will take that um, with them or if they kind of want to evaluate Chris Reed at that center spot. 
Um, yeah, I think what's this game's going to be big for guys like Amir Smith-Marset, who needs to show he can be the punt returner, needs to show he can be a reserve receiver. It's going to be big for certain defenders, Lewis Seen getting in there, Andrew Booth, the second-round corner. Um, who are the backup inside linebackers between guys like Brian Osamoa, Chaz Surratt, Troy Dye? Uh, who are these backup edge rushers? Is Patrick Jones really as good as his first-team reps would seem to indicate they yeah. think he is? Uh, we'd heard Mike Smith, the edge rusher coach, talk him up quite a bit earlier this offseason. So there are a lot of guys with a lot to prove. The and reckoning for Rick Spielman's final third round <laughs> is coming. So I presume we are going to see a good amount of these young guys. I just don't think any veteran that they have that have that's a known quantity. I think even Johnny Mutt, I'd be shocked if he played. Um, I, I I think Sean Mannion has to play. Yeah, I, I would agree. Or at least suit up. Um, but I would I would assume Kellen Mond's starting. Yeah, this game. I think you give him a lot of the work. I mean, just given the fact that he needs it more than Sean Mannion does, probably, and you have more to learn about him than you do about Sean Mannion. You kind of know what Sean Mannion is. Yes. Kellen Mond, you should. <laughs> if there is any way that your future beyond Kirk Cousins is on this roster, it has to be Kellen Mond, I think. Uh, it, it does. It, it's not Sean Mannion. It has to be Kellen Mond. Um, so I, I think the more you can learn about him, the more you can say, hey, there's flashes here, or no, this isn't going to happen. That's important. So I, I think that needs to be one of the goals of the preseason if, in fact, Cousins is not going to play like we kind of think that is going to be the case. The future of your backup quarterback or if Kellen Mond can even play in this league, uh, you're not necessarily going to have a definitive answer after Sunday, but you will at least have a better idea of where he's at right now because, as you said, training camp has been a little rough for him. He's made some wow throws. He's also taken a long time to get the ball out on average and uh, not been super accurate at times and we've seen a guy in a red no contact jersey tuck and run way too often uh, i can't imagine that's what he's being coached to do um at, at this point in time let's talk a little bit about the defense before we break we got another 10 minutes here where um what have our impressions been of this starting defense because for every time we mention a kirk cousins turnover that means the defense is creating said turnover we've seen jordan hicks account for at least three of those he's had two picks and a forced fumble uh, on a running back, we were seeing these defenders really try to punch the ball out in ways that um, we just didn't really see in the past. And the Vikings, I looked this up because I was curious. While they completely fell apart under Mike Zimmer on defense, they never ranked any worse than 16th in takeaways the last four years. Uh, Ed Donatel's coming in and saying, we're going to play a zone defense that allows the secondary to sit back, jump routes, and try to get more of those deflections and interceptions than what you might see out of man-to-man defenses. Um I think we are seeing some production out of that. I'm just curious. This is very much a patchwork secondary. The corners are a huge question mark. Cameron Dantzler is still taking all these first-team reps. I don't think he's a known quantity, but we've seen a lot of Cameron Dantzler. Yeah, we have. And uh, Cam Bynum's looked good. He had one of the picks yesterday. Uh, But, you know, he's not going to start over Lewis Seen for long. So what is your impression right now of this secondary? And I guess are we even looking at what the secondary is going to look like week one? Well, I mean, I if Andrew Booth is good enough to take that job, I think they'd want that. I think if Lewis Seen is good enough to take the job, they'd want that too. I mean, you don't draft those guys where they did and not have plans for them to play. Um, do they need to play right away? Not necessarily. Um 
but we also have seen Cam Dantzler against the Packers before, and it hasn't gone particularly well, especially in settings where Aaron Rodgers has been able to pick on him early in the season when it's part of a new defense. I mean, we, we saw that two years ago. Um, I am very, very curious to see how the next few weeks go for guys like Andrew Booth. Caleb Evans was out the other night uh, during the, the night practice. I want to see those guys. Uh, in Can they look like they can cover? Can they do it without getting flagged a bunch? Because that's going to be one of those things, I think, especially with Andrew Booth, to keep an eye on is – can he cover and be a little bit physical without um, getting flagged for it? And you know, we saw that early on with Xavier Rhodes. We saw that with Trey Waynes early on. And that tends to be the thing that young corners have to figure out is how to draw that line in the NFL. Yeah, Andrew Booth at Monday night practice in front of 7,500 fans here at TCO Stadium in Egan, he like basically was playing live. He was yeah, tackling. Yes, he was. Just like tackling him with the down kid with the second team defense and in, in ways that they are not being instructed to actually bring guys to the ground. He bodied Tristan Jackson, a backup receiver, one time. That was such an obvious flag on yep. the replay, but was standing over him, taunting him like he had just made the <laughs> yes. play of the game. Yep. And it's like, dude, that's that's absolutely 15 yards, and you're going to get reamed by a coaching staff if that happens in a real game. Um, he's got a lot to work through and, and you, you love the confidence. You love the ego. You love all the things that you need at corner to succeed. And it doesn't seem like a flag or getting beat deep is going to bother him too much because he's going to come right back and be ready for it. But coaches, as we know, they're not going to be willing to put you out there unless they can trust that that's not going to routinely happen, getting, getting beat or getting flagged. And I think that's why Cam Dancer is still in that starting spot. I think part of it is why is, is, Booth's kind of learning curve and why Cena is still on that backup spot is I think Cam Bynum's played fairly well seemingly in camp. And Ed Donatel spoke yesterday, the coordinator, about how they're looking for the right combinations of guys still in terms of those competitions at corner and safety. And we might see some sub packages where um, Cam Bynum is playing pretty frequently or Lewis Cena's coming off the bench and still playing pretty frequently as they mix these rookies in. So this defense, just as much as we talk about the three, four front being kind of morphing and evolving, that secondary might be the same a little bit. Um, what I think they've got potentially is two really good inside linebackers. Yeah, I would agree with that. And they've both looked really good. And that's, that's going to help them quite a bit um, in, in terms of the coverage stuff too. And two veteran inside linebackers who can cover uh, sideline to sideline and, and help some of these young guys out. Um, I think Patrick Peterson's put word to that this defense is going to have our safeties help our corners quite a bit. Yeah. So as much as we talk about the concern with the corners, um, they're going to be kind of a have everything be in front of us defense. Yeah, yeah, and that's been the the mo with the Fangio Brandon Staley type scheme is it's a lot of two safeties over the top. It's a lot of we're not giving you the deep shots. You know, you've seen we went from kind of everybody copying Seattle with the cover three stuff and in a one safety look to people going back to two safeties. I think in part because you had all these quarterbacks beating you downfield and in part because you don't have to devote eight in the box anymore to the run game in the, in the same way that you did in the early 2010s when you still had guys like Marshawn Lynch and Adrian Peterson, you know, kind of roaming around the league, Chris Johnson, you know, guys like that. Um, so I think you're going to see, I mean, the Fangio defense has, has had a lot of success against Aaron Rodgers and, and those types of guys by saying, 
you can try to beat us seven, eight yards at a time, but we think at some point you're going to get impatient and make a mistake or you're either going to have to take something where you try to hold the ball and we're going to get to you and get a sack or you're going to turn the ball over. So I think the safeties are going to help a lot in that regard. And like you said, with Kendricks and Hicks, both of those guys can cover. You know, more do you want them running downfield with you know the best receivers in the league? No, uh, you don't want to go into Miami and see them running with Tyreek Hill in October. But they can help you and shorten some of those throwing windows, shrink those things, and and uh, probably make some plays and coverage. We've certainly seen Kendricks do it. We've seen Hicks do it in camp. And I think any little incremental thing you can do to help these corners is probably a good thing. Shannon Sullivan's another guy that, you know, based on what we saw from him in Green Bay, he'll be the nickel, but they're going to have to cross their fingers a little bit there probably too in coverage. Yeah, he was a budget option Yep, in free he was. agency. And nickel was a huge problem. Guarding the slot was a huge problem last year with Mackenzie Alexander not playing well. And their decision was to get a guy in Green Bay who's known to a few of the assistant coaches that are now here, but wasn't a shutdown guy. Was a guy that we frequently saw Justin Jefferson beat in games when he was working out of the slot against Green Bay. Um, and a lot of guys beat him. So I'm curious to see how that pans out. And if they, I wonder if they'd even morph into a nickel defense where Bynum, a former corner in college, yeah, yeah. is it's playing possible. is playing some of that stuff. Um, all right, Ben, are you buying that Greg Joseph is the best kicker since Justin, Justin Tucker? Um, <laughs> I don't know that I'm buying that. Uh, you know, we've we've both been around the Vikings a long time. <laughs> we both covered most of the Blair Walsh stuff, and Blair Walsh <laughs> looked great early in his career, and then we saw how that ended. So I don't know that I'm buying it. He's I'll say this. He's looked awfully good in training camp. I mean, the other night he uh, put one pretty much right over the – the uh, the center post in the uh, in the goal post from fifty eight out ten practice so if he keeps that up then maybe he is I think that was the biggest cheer of the night yeah he he kind of stole the show and you know it's <laughs> not something we've said about a lot of Vikings kickers that they've stole the show it's, in a good way yeah it's really not and so he went from competing for his job this spring to really locking down that job and having coaches say you know every time he kicks it we expect it to go in and Matt Daniels the special teams coordinator being ebullient in his praise and talking about him um so we will have to see you'll i'm sure everybody will still be holding their breath when he lines up for a 30-yard game winner um but joseph made a few of those last year after that after that big miss in arizona um but he's gonna get a chance to redeem himself again for that and he's under a one-year contract so he's playing to be that long-term option for them as well um all right well we will talk to you guys again after uh, the Vikings preseason game against the Raiders. They will come back and practice the following Tuesday, and I'm sure we'll have a podcast soon after that with takeaways and going into the joint practices with the 49ers.